0: Buyers are increasingly slow-paying their suppliers, to the point where small businesses are in danger of going under. What's to be done? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Without getting too Marxist about it, I think it's fair to say that business is a constant power struggle. The big players tend to push the little ones around. That's especially the case in the world of B2B payments. Big companies want their customers to pay up fast. At the same time, they want to drag out payment to their suppliers. In the process, they create a new level of risk, threatening the viability of key suppliers. So maybe it's time for a fresh look at the whole payment landscape. My guest today is Joe Hyland, Chief Marketing Officer of Talia, a provider of invoice, payment, and discount management services to buying organizations. We talk about why so many businesses today are holding on to their cash, even in a time of economic recovery and easier access to credit, well, for the big companies at least. And we look at some options that can satisfy the need of buyers to protect their liquid assets while allowing suppliers to get paid in a timely fashion. It's all about paving the way for fair financing. And By the way, in my discussion last week with Howard Dorman of Weiser Mazars LLP, I referred to his company as a law firm. That's not accurate. Weiser Mazars is an accounting, tax, and advisory services firm. I apologize for the error. So here is my conversation with Joe Hyland. Well, Joe Hyland, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks a lot for having me on today, Bob.
0: I appreciate your being here so we can talk about the whole world of supplier payments, supplier relationships, and how it has changed in, in recent years. I'm wondering if we could start there. Could you tell me a little bit about how the picture has changed in terms of the relationship between companies and their suppliers, how suppliers are being paid, and what kind of a plight that puts them in, uh, given that being the fact?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've seen this evolving really over the last 20 or 30 years where big companies, so Fortune 500, Global 2000 uh, companies, uh, are paying their suppliers later and later. So I I think in the U.S., the average payment time is about 56 days. Uh, in, In Europe, it's 58. So two months on average, right? Um, that puts a tremendous strain on suppliers, and by and large, we're talking about small businesses here. So just imagine in your own life, if you were getting paid six times a year, it's, it's probably hard to, to keep up with your your ongoing bills and, and just just your livelihood. So that's created this this opportunities for opportunity for companies to think different about how they they fund their their supply chain, and that's that's where. The financial supply chain and supply chain finance, supplier financing, whatever you want to call it, um, that, that's why this, this this industry or this market has, has popped up, because there's an opportunity for, for businesses to get paid faster. They want to be paid faster, and, and there's, there's a financial benefit to be gained um, for large companies in paying them faster.
0: Why are companies slow paying their suppliers? I mean, uh, the economy seems to be getting better. We hear that a number of companies, uh, you know, for a while there, we heard about them hoarding cash. I don't know if that's still the case, but I think a number of companies still have a lot of cash on hand. And also a lot of companies are trying to speed up payment from their own customers, then turning around and slow paying their suppliers. What is the economic situation that's causing these companies to do that to their suppliers today?
1: It's funny, right? When when one company wants to get paid faster, so they want to shrink their DSO, and that very same company says to their suppliers, well, actually – I prefer to pay you later. It was just kind of the greatest irony in, in my mind. Um, this started in the, the Reagan era, the, the Carter era, when interest rates were, were soaring around 18 or 20%. So there was there was cause uh, to hold on to your cash because you could get such great returns on it. But obviously no longer the case. So why do companies continue to do it? I think in part it's uh, it's that old habits die hard. There's many... Many treasurers are actually incented; their their bonus relies on how long their DPO can be. Right, so they are. It, it's a publicly it's a publicly released metric uh, on earnings call for public companies. Um, it's just the wrong way to think about things. So that is that still is the reason that that most companies want to pay later and later. It's uh, it, it it reflects in a positive way on their balance sheet. That's simply it. I mean, there, there, are, there are more nuances behind it, but by and large, that's why most companies are still paying so late. Uh, I think few companies are paying truly late by, by, the, by the purest definition, meaning that they've contractually agreed upon these terms with their suppliers. But let's face it, when a Fortune 500 company does business with a, a small business, who, who holds the power? So if 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 Walmart or Pepsi or you name it wants to pay their suppliers in 60 days, that's what happens, right? The, the supplier doesn't have much have much of a say in that. So yeah, that that that's the existing circumstance, and and really the only way it's going to it's going to change is if there's a financial benefit for big companies to pay earlier, so that they're paying a little bit less. But this is the key point that it that it's at a rate that's advantageous for small businesses. So the days of paying early at 36 or 40 percent APR in my mind are over
0: you have the credit availability situation in the months and years following the onset of the Great Recession was dire yeah uh, is that still an issue is credit still hard to come by especially for some of these smaller suppliers
1: yeah there's the haves and the have-nots so the the key phrase there is small suppliers credit is uh, it's easy to come by cash is easy to come by if, if your investment grade, uh, if you're non-investment grade, forget about it. So s- small businesses today are, are are still living in a kind of predatory lending environment where where they're. I mean, look at look at alternative lenders like Blue Line or OnDeck. The rates that small businesses are taking from providers like that are astronomically high. I think Blue Line it's one percent a week. So you know, we all know the number of weeks in a year. It's not too tough to figure out the the annual rates. Like uh, it doesn't doesn't seem fair to small businesses.
0: Don't companies realize that when they try to slow pay their suppliers that they are creating a situation of liquidity risks for those very suppliers and thereby risking their own supply chains?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Um, uh, it's not funny. It's dire, I guess. I mean, it, in some ways, it's an epi- epidemic. Um, and from a supply chain risk perspective, absolutely. So there are uh, more progressive companies that, that recognize that. And they they realize, well, hey, any inefficiency that I have uh, within my supply chain, you know, presents risk for my organization. So we're seeing companies, Fortune 20 companies, Fortune 50 companies who are saying, listen, I'm going to pass on my borrowing power right over to my suppliers because that's going to eliminate an inherent inefficiency in in the supply chain. So that's only going to help me in the end. Pushing your suppliers out of business is not exactly a strategy for long-term success.
0: So the first uh, first recourse, it would appear, the, the the first technique that's employed in situations like this is early payment discounts. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that seems like the most obvious, and it's certainly been in, been around for a long time. Is that still a viable method, and what impact does that have on suppliers?
1: It depends how you define early payment discounts. So. For decades now, there have been supply chain finance programs, which work great, but they have limited adoption. So essentially, they're for the largest suppliers. These are, these are bank-led programs, and, and banks, of course, are focused on the transaction fees. There's a cost associated with uh, doing business with suppliers. So banks have to adhere to know your customer and, and different uh, regulatory compliance laws to ensure that, essentially, that they're not paying terrorist organizations. That's what it really comes down to. So they, they, they do what, uh, what, is, what is logical. So they limit those programs to the, the largest suppliers. Those aren't the suppliers, maybe the top 100 or 200, those aren't the suppliers or those aren't the businesses that are, uh, that are struggling for access to cash. So there are about 2,000, maybe 2,500 of those programs globally, and they work quite well. So it's, it's bank-funded. The paying organization or the Global 2000 uh, doesn't shorten their, their DPO. They're not paying earlier. So the bank steps in, pays the invoice earlier, and then at maturity date, the payer pays back the bank or financial institution. Again, that works great, but for a very limited set of suppliers. So I think those solutions are out there. But what has been lacking and, and really only in recent years has been truly addressed is paying all suppliers early. So I, I think that's a step in the right direction, but it really comes down to the, to the rate. If I am Walmart and I say, well, hey, good news to my 40,000 suppliers, I'm going to offer you the ability to be paid early on all invoices, but the rate is 50% APR, I don't think that's a great win for, for Walmart suppliers. If it's a significantly better rate than those suppliers can get on the open market, that's a different situation.
0: Has it been that egregious? Has it been as much as 50% in, in the past?
1: Oh, yeah. we talked for a moment about alternative lenders, rates are, or, or factoring, yeah, rates far surpass 50%. I think it's accurate to compare that type of lending to, uh, to payday lending in the consumer space. If a supplier has no alternatives and needs to meet payroll or has a large order to fulfill and they can't get access to, to capital, you know, paying 60 70% APR for a short-term loan, while, while it seems egregious, um, might be their only option.
0: Well, I guess it's no surprise that uh, the deck is stacked against the smaller companies, but I would have thought, or I guess one theory on the fact that we are seeing the participation of a lot of non-banks in this sector now that that would have created a more competitive environment and access to better rates. But I guess it's, it sounds like it's just the opposite.
1: Well, uh, it has to do with the risk of defaults at the end of the day. So the problem that these alternative lenders, you know, the, the Ondex, the Blue Vines, uh, Fundbox is another company here in San Francisco, the challenge that they have is they don't know if the invoice is approved. So uh, that just represents additional risk. And at the end of the day, these are just factoring companies. They're, they're not financing the, the receivable themselves. So they then take the information that they have out to uh, a financier who then says, I mean, there's obviously formulas for this. It's not you know, a month-long process like it might be in factoring. But then they say, well, okay, well, this is great, Bob. Like, it, it looks like a real invoice, but is it approved? And they don't know that. So since they don't know if it's an approved invoice, there's a greater risk associated with the invoice, which means the rate's higher. So, yeah, unless an alternative funder can see into the ERP system of uh, the buyer or the payer to see that it's an approved invoice, you're going to see high rates. We'll continue to see that problem.
0: So I'm guessing you would argue that the payment process, bottom line, is not kept up with the Times. Fair statement? Particularly in
1: B two B payments, I think 60 percent of payments are, are still on checks. So right away, I, I, I would say that's an adamant yes. Okay, they have so, not kept up with the times.
0: So let's talk, let's talk solutions. Where should we be? What are some of the new, creative, innovative solutions that will that will kind of reflect the the way things are and actually put suppliers on a much uh, more stable footing, and yet satisfy uh, the manufacturers as well?
1: I, I think a few things have to happen. One, uh, and this is where the alternative lenders have done a great job. It needs to be a convenient solution. So the days of a, a small business or any supplier really collecting all of their their receivables, all of their invoices, and going out to a factorer or financial institution to have a two-year commitment to factor all of their invoices um, and, and in a legally binding way at a high rate that, that again, they're 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 bound to. I don't see that continuing, so it needs to be a convenient process. It needs to offer fair financing. At the end of the day, to me, this is around creating a, a win-win, so it's, it's fairly straightforward. A great rate um, in a convenient fashion for a small business or for a supplier, um, and the big businesses, corporate America, Fortune 500 companies, global 2,000 entities, need to buy into this. So you mentioned earlier about um, increasing risk within your supply chain by harming suppliers. I think more and more companies are realizing that. And they realize, well, I'm getting 1%, maybe 150 basis points annually on my billions of dollars of cash, and my suppliers are struggling for for, for cash themselves. Like, there probably is a better way. Um, so whether it's dynamic discounting or supply chain finance for all of your suppliers. There needs to be a recognition from large companies that that they need to help their small business suppliers, and they really shouldn't be holding onto cash and paying suppliers in in sixty days.
0: Okay, explain to me this concept of dynamic discounting.
1: Yeah, it, it's pretty straightforward. So, um, and, and you know, uh, just to be fully transparent, this is this is what Talia does. The moment an invoice is approved. Uh, And let's say it's a net 60 invoice, so no discount terms, which 90% of invoices in the United States, I think it's actually 88% of invoices in the United States are on net terms. So there's no early payment discount baked into it. So the moment the invoice is approved, the supplier is notified. Let's say it's on day seven uh, of a net 60 invoice. Hey, good news, Bob, your invoice is approved. You are due to be paid in 53 days, or if you would like to be paid earlier, click here. And that supplier then can, you know, go into a calendar and see what the rate would be, what the discount would be for any payment date between the invoice approval date and the due date. Um, and it's on a it's on a linear scale. So the their customer, the supplier's customer, sets an annual rate of 12%. So that would be 1% per month, right? And uh, the earlier it's paid, the, the larger the discount, the later it's paid, the smaller the discount. But the key ingredient here is it's up to the supplier. So, so you as a supplier opt into this and decide, yeah, that's great. I'd love to be paid early at a 0.9% discount uh, or no thanks. You know, I'm fine getting paid in 53 days. My, my cash standing is just, it's just fine right now.
0: So it's a it's a range across that entire period of time. It's not just a take it or leave it discount.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's correct. We have suppliers who are electing to get paid some the moment the invoice is approved, uh, and the technology supports that. So they don't have to go in and choose on a one by one basis. We also have suppliers who, who who pick certain invoices based off of size and seasonality, and some of them are getting paid just a couple days early because they they need cash, right? They they need cash on day fifty three. Uh, for, for whatever reason. So, yeah, the, the supplier can choose any day in that span.
0: So who's paying you? I mean, wh- where's the value proposition for you to be a party in this?
1: Yeah, um, so it's really financial arbitrage. In these scenarios when the the buyer, you know, uh, Home Depot or a John Deere, Coke, many of Talia's customers, they're paying. So this is a, a model that's funded, funded by large companies so that they can pay their invoices early. Um, but you have to remember they're paying a little bit less on each invoice, and it's kind of funny that, to think that suppliers are thanking them for this. But they're thanking they're thanking their customers because they're they're now being given a choice. So it's 100% funded, funded by the big companies. No fees whatsoever for the small companies. Um, no invoicing fee, no fee to participate. It's important that there is no hurdle put up between a supplier and participating in a program like this.
0: But you, in turn, get paid for. And I'm not necessarily, you know, naming a customer that is a customer of yours. But let's just say a Walmart-type customer yep. sure. is yeah. turning around is turning around and paying you a percentage or a flat fee or 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 what exactly?
1: It could be either. But that is that is correct. So Walmart's not a customer of ours, but let's just use them as an example. Walmart would would pay Talia on an annual basis for running this program for them. Or, and it could be a set amount, or, or they could say, hey, we're a little risk averse. We, we, we don't want to commit to a, you know a fixed annual amount. Let's see how the program works, and, and we'll give you a, a small share of, of each discount that is captured. But it's important to remember if, if these businesses had 20, 30, a couple hundred suppliers, they could run these programs on their own. But when you have 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 suppliers, you need automation, right? Like you, you need something that will enable scale, and, and that's what, what providers like Talia bring to the mm-hmm. table.
0: Yeah, so in other words, they do get some net benefit from the discount that the that they're offering the supplier. All of that doesn't go necessarily to you. That's shared de- between them and you.
1: Yeah, yeah. It would have been great if we could have devised a model where it all came to us, but, uh, <laughs> but it does not. Um, yeah, so in the last four years, Talia's customers, through the help of Talia have injected $75 billion in early payments into the market. So uh, that's the the invoice value that has been paid early. Financing is is what it should really be thought of. And in that process, companies are are saving millions of dollars a year. So they're they're capturing millions of dollars in early payment discounts. So these programs really pay for themselves, but they do it in a manner that helps to strengthen the supply chain. Uh, And that's, that's a critical point.
0: How important is it uh, to have electronic invoicing as part of this uh, this transaction? And, and to what extent is that being embraced by companies today? I mean, it sounds like you said so many companies still pay by check. I don't know if yeah. you actually been writing on an p- actual physical check and tearing it out of a checkbook, but is electronic invoicing essential to making this work?
1: Electronic invoicing is is an enabler, so it it, it helps. So yes, I think I think in short, it absolutely helps, but it's not a necessity. So our customers are seeing 70, 80 upwards of, I think, Pacific Gas and Electric here in San Francisco. They're over 90%. I think 93% of invoices are now electronic. So any way you can get the suppliers to participate early in the process, that is going to, to help ensure greater participation in, in early payments. Right? It's, it's important that suppliers know the entire time that when I'm submitting an invoice to my customer at the end of the day, when it's time to get paid, I have a say in, in, in when that payment is made. The holy grail of invoicing is getting paid,
0: and, and that's
1: that's important to remember. So while electronic invoicing helps to increase early payments, um, electronic invoicing alone doesn't, doesn't bring a tremendous uh, value proposition to suppliers.
0: What do you think about the concept of the receivables exchange, where invoices are actually posted on an auction site? Are you involved in that, or how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, so I'm incredibly familiar with it. The receivables exchange was, I think, an exciting – so this was in 2007, 2008 when it was founded. Um, I think it was exciting. It was exciting to have a marketplace where small businesses could factor, really. That's what it was, um, could, could could get paid early, and it was put out to a market so that so that people could compete on it. The rates really weren't that great, and that comes down to the, the invoice uh, approval not being known. So, unfortunately, unless your customer, so from a supplier's perspective, unless your customer customer is participating um, in the exchange or participating in a program, you can't really expect to get great rates because the risk is still high because the invoice isn't approved, right? It could just be, it could be a bogus invoice. Um, there's software to, to eliminate that risk or at least to reduce it. But invoice approval is really what prohibits kind of attractive rates. And then the second thing I'll say is one thing I liked about the receivables exchange was the concept that kind of financiers could compete over, over your business. So that I liked. Uh, but again, the rates just weren't favorable for suppliers. I like the concept, but at the end of the day, um, and the receivables exchange has had to pivot their model, I think it didn't work. Um, Small businesses just weren't getting paid uh, at great rates, which meant they weren't participating.
0: Okay. One of these days, who knows (laughs) when, interest rates are going to rise. Yeah. When they do, what will be the impact on supplier's situation? What will be the impact on you, Talia, in the middle of this? What will be the impact on the whole picture of supplier payment?
1: Yeah. I think it's important or helpful, at least, to think of interest rates as, as the bar right and right now they're i mean they're they're zero right if you if if you're getting 100 basis points on your savings um, or money market account like you're doing great and that's the same for large businesses i think apple got 103 or 107 basis points last year on billions and billions in cash it, it's not exactly the, the greatest interest rate environment so let's say 5 or 6 years from now and when when, uh, when rates are at 5 6% companies are going to be getting better returns, uh, but not phenomenal returns. I don't think we're going back to uh, the early 80s in in terms of interest rates. But that bar rises across the board, right? So small businesses who might now be borrowing at something insane like 30 or 40 percent, well, guess what? They're going to be borrowing at slightly higher, so 34 percent or 44 percent. So interest rates will rise for all, meaning Buyers can still get better returns on their cash if they invested in their supply chain, and they can still offer rates to suppliers that are better than suppliers can get on the open market. I think if we were to a different way of thinking about the question is, if we were to move to a model where cash flowed like water and at incredibly low rate for all, it's the for all part that's important. Then yeah, there 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 wouldn't be a need for for programs like these. Uh, I just don't think that that day is coming. Anytime soon. And for the all part, uh, sadly, I don't think it will
0: ever come. Well, it sounds like you've got some very interesting and creative solutions here to a uh, situation I think suppliers would certainly appreciate being part of. Uh, Joe Hyland, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today to explain the uh, supplier payment situation and some, some possible ways forward. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks a lot, Bob. That was my conversation with Joe Hyland of Talia, talking about a new approach to B2B payment arrangements. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at Sc Brain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.